0: Praise God. You guys feel a little bit of joy on the inside of you? Okay, that's called the kingdom of God. (laughs) Praise God. Joy in God is never out of season. Joy in the Lord is strength to us. Joy in the Lord isn't like a little uh, shot in the arm he gives to the soldiers to get them to keep going a little bit longer. Joy is the realm that we live in. We have a joy that's not, cons- that's not uh, dependent upon circumstances or situations. We have a joy that is not altered by men. It is untouchable by governments. It is untouchable by uh, war, famine. We have Christ as our joy. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And in him we have fullness of joy, and at his right hand, pleasures forevermore. Praise God. God is not trying to deny us pleasure. He's offered us the highest pleasure. (laughs) Praise God. Jesus is everything needed. We have a great need for Christ, but we have a great Christ for our need. Oh, we stand before God as Christ because Christ stood before God as us. This is the gospel. So I want to share with you a little bit tonight, and I I was asking the Lord which way to go, and I felt like the Lord said, just open your heart. So I'm just going to talk to you tonight from my heart and trust that the Holy Spirit will, as he does, grab the living word and give life through it. What is his word if his glance is lightning? If we give our attention to his voice, it will blind us to everything else. If we give attention to his voice and his presence, we have in that a internal satisfaction that can carry us through absolutely anything. And you can say with Richard Wurmbrand, who is put in prison, in solitary confinement for seven years, fed one slice of bread pretty much a week, dying slowly. When he was released from prison, they said to him, you must have been in hell there. He says, no, hell is to be without his presence. And then he says, it's one of the most beautiful times of my life. He said, I was in the caresses of the bridegroom and we knew his kisses. I wonder if that's the gospel that we believe. That we can have a Christ so real, so alive, so fulfilling. That nothing in this world can alter us. I wonder if that's what God desires to bring us to realize again tonight. That no matter what you have in front of you, maybe you have decisions in front of you, maybe you're in the middle of a decision, maybe there's a problem that's going on in your family, in your marriage, or in your in your workplace. Whatever it is that's pressing upon you, may the Lord remind you tonight that only He satisfies the soul. You see these other things that men seek and try to find satisfaction in, it's it's kind of sad, actually. It's like lighting a candle trying to find the light of the sun. And that's, uh, that's man's problem. He's lighting candles, trying to find the light of the sun. But you can, you can light all the candles in the world. It won't make it day. And that's mankind. He's like, oh, if I just get a relationship, then I'll be happy. If I just get a kid, I'll be happy. If I just get that job, I'll be happy. If I just can get more money... I'll be happy. If I can just have this, that, the other, then I'll be happy. You can light all the candles in the world you want. But until the shimmering, shining, splendid Son of God radiates upon your face, we will not know what real satisfaction is. Praise God. In the gospel, you have been given highest satisfaction in Jesus. So I had a couple of points I wanted to point you to. (laughs) No pun intended. (laughs) If you look at uh, John chapter 1, the first point tonight, we'll take from John 1, 29. I feel the message itself was already preached in the worship. <laughs> Every song we sang was Christ-exalting gospel power. And if it is believed, it will take you up like a whirlwind into a realm that no one else will know but you and the Lord. But if you just say the words and Christ's name becomes tasteless on your tongue, then you've entered into that death called religion where you know all the things to say, but you have no longer a dining at the table that descends out of heaven. You following me? I grew up in the church. How many of you grew up in the church? Let me see your hands. Yes, so you know exactly what I'm about to say to be true. I grew up in the church. I I knew scriptures. I went to Christian schools. I went to Christian camps. My dad was a pastor. I knew a lot about God, but I did not know God. How many of you know you can know about God and not know God? Salvation is not to know about God. Jesus says, This is eternal life that you might know Him. A living, interactive, vibrant life exchange. Not signing on the dotted line saying this is now what I believe and I memorize these scriptures and I'm going to try to live my life this way. I will grip a cross and grip my teeth and do my best to obey black and white. That's not Christianity. Christianity is eating the Lord and receiving him as substance. On the inside where then you take him in as, as substance and he sustains you with satisfaction. And he begins to perform the things that he desires from you, through you, himself. That's Christianity. And that's a whole lot more fun. Because you find that when you just take him in as the bread that he tells us that he is, in that bread are the nutrients necessary to walk out his nature. Religion tries to demand the nature of the Lord in your life, but keeps you from the nutrients and the nourishment of the Lord. And so you're just on a spinning wheel of trying and failing trying and failing but to eat at the table of the lord to receive the nutrients on the inside then you're able to walk out his nature because you have that which is necessary john 129 says this and many of you've read this many times it says the next day this is talking about john the baptist he saw jesus coming to him and he said look at look what he says Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I want you to notice here in the first verse again, right there, 29. The next day he saw, dot, 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 and said. He saw and said. John the Baptist looked at the Lord and then called everyone else to do the same. That is Christianity. To look at him. And say, everyone, look at him. And what happens a lot of times is we want people to see how much we've progressed. We want people to see us. And we want people to see how spiritual we are. But I'll tell you, the most spiritual man there is points at Christ. Because the spirit himself points at Christ. And so this is our spirituality. This is our life supply is to to look unto the Lord. I pulled a quote here from Charles Spurgeon. If you guys haven't read anything by Charles Spurgeon, it is something that will literally change your life. He has a way with words that is moving. He says this, he says, See the secret of strength, my friends. Look to Jesus and overcome. Let us lament our infrequent use of this conquering weapon. Now, for a long and loving look at the bridegroom of our souls, help us, Holy Spirit, to whom our eyes owe their sight. What he's saying is, if you look at Christ, you win. And when you realize that looking at Christ causes victory, then we must lament our infrequent use of this all-conquering weapon. I say this to the Lord a lot. I say, oh Lord, forgive me for giving the attention you deserve to things far inferior to you. This happens in my life more times than I want to admit. But this, the symptoms are always the same. And I can name them and you would, you would know them as well. It's a lack of desire for God or a lack of joy, or a lack of peace, a lack of satisfaction. You're antsy, you're you're anxiety, you feel spread thin, you feel unable to just literally have that love dance that satisfies the soul with the Lord. That's what happens when our eyes look away from the Lord. Another quote from Charles Spurgeon, just because I've already mentioned him, he said, there is no reason why I should look away, but there are a million reasons why I should not. Because the moment our eyes leave the Lord, we leave that all-conquering weapon. I remember Leonard Ravenhill was interviewed at the end of his life, and they said, how did you live so long faithful to God? And his answer was this, looking unto Jesus. He's taking these words, obviously, from Hebrews. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. Do you see that all the work is done by him? The author he, he authors it, and he finishes it. It's not its not that he authors it, then you've got to get it to the point, and then he kind of puts the dot at the end. No, he begins the thing, sustains the thing, and is the end of the thing. Yeah. Jesus does this thing. When we look, and now the word that's used there for look, and if anybody has Lagos, the Bible software, you can look this up, and See that it's true, but when it says looking unto Jesus, the word there looking is a compound word. We've all been to school. We know what compound words are (laughs) two words put together. It's from to. From to. Looking unto Jesus means I'm turning away from looking at in order to look to. Looking from the world, from myself to Jesus. This begins, sustains, and is the end of my faith, seeing Jesus. So my first point of the night is this. The essential Christian message is not behave, but behold. If we can swallow that, we will realize the secret to victory. Jesus having all the attention. You know, there's a scripture, we'll we'll look at it just so we can keep our eyes on on the word. In in Luke 10, um, sorry, sorry, Matthew 10. Matthew 10, verse 27, it says this amazing verse. Is it Mark 10? Goodness, it's one of the tens. Okay, it says, uh, looking, at, looking at them, Jesus said, with God all things, with people, all things are impo- With people, it is impossible. With God, all things are possible. We have this supernatural ability that comes only from giving unto God that which he deserves. And so the attention that he deserves releases the empowerment he desires you to have. The attention he deserves isn't like he's up there saying, until you give me this amount of attention, I'm not releasing the power of the Spirit on you. It's, it's like this. You can only receive that which has already been poured out when you open up your receptors by looking. So he's done his part, completely lavished the Spirit. And those men, women, young people, who choose to look to the Lord... Open up or have their receptors open to see. As a matter of fact, in Revelation, the scripture says that he turned aside to see and he heard the voice of the Lord. Very similar to to, uh, uh, Exodus chapter 3. Moses sees the burning bush and what does it say? He turned aside to see. Then the Lord spoke to him. The Lord didn't speak to him from the bush until he looked at the bush. So many people are wondering why God doesn't speak to them in their life. Well, it's probably because he doesn't have all your attention. And it's not because he's not speaking to you until. It's that you can't hear until. So it's not on him. He has given himself fully for us and given all things to us freely in the spirit. And so as a man chooses to yield to the Lord by looking, you know one of the wonderful ways to manifest yielding to the Lord. One of the, I would personally say, and I wouldn't fight anybody about it, but I would personally say the number one way of expressing dependence upon God is taking time to just give Him attention. Whether it be uh, just sitting down for whatever, however much time you have, I don't want to give a time limit because people feel condemned. But if you sit down and just give God all your attention, turning away from looking at responsibilities, you're not there to pray for anybody. You're not there to ask for anything. You're not there to gain brownie points. You're not there to make something happen. You're not there just to think. You're not there to read. You are there for one reason and one reason only, and it is to give to him the kind of full attention, sustained attention that he deserves. And this right here changes the inward disposition of a man. I find that until my heart is laid at his feet, it always tries to take his seat. I found this in my own personal life. And so I see that this looking unto Jesus, this essential Christian message is not behave, but behold, this is the distinguishing mark between those who walk in victory and enjoyment and peace And fulfillment in those who are always up and down and all around and have no consistent enjoyment of God. It's important that enjoyment be mentioned because Christ is highly enjoyable. And I would venture to say, if God is not enjoyable to you, then you need to meet the God of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because he is enjoyment itself. As a matter of fact, we don't grow in the Lord by trying. We grow by enjoyment. We lose our enjoyment, we stop our progress. It doesn't matter if everything, all the ducks are in a row. It doesn't matter if our theology is better than it's ever been. Praise God for theology, I'm all about it. We want to see clearly. But the reality is, unless we enjoy the Lord, we're missing the entire point. It is in fellowship with Christ we enjoy the riches of the divine life. And the more we eat of these rich foods that Christ himself is, the more we're changed on the inside. And then you begin to accomplish more on accident than you ever did on purpose. Because you've become something different because of being with him and enjoying him. Do you remember what it says in the scriptures? It says that he appointed the apostles first of all, the disciples first of all, to be with him In Mark 3, and then in John 3, it says, there he was spending time with them. I remember Andrew Murray wrote, the presence of Christ was the training of the disciples. The presence of Christ was the training of the disciples. You say, I want to be discipled. Spend time in his presence. That is discipleship itself. If we're going to disciple people, let us disciple them in this way. Teach them how to spend time in the presence of the Lord. Because here he will heal us. If I've discovered anything, I've, I've discovered this, that I can't love him without him. I can't want him without him. I can't obey him without him. I can't do anything without him. And so my only job then is to come to him. Because there he will be all those things for me. This is what he means when he says, come to me and I'll give you rest in Matthew 11. Come to me, I will give you rest. In other words, if you come to me, I'll do the rest. You just come to me. And as you come to me, I'll be able to empower you and quickly and take a weight off of you. As one of my friends likes to say, the yoke of the Lord is filled with helium. (laughs) This is how he... he is. He just shows you his kindness and his his love. The second point I had for you is this. Until we've realized the presence of God, we've done nothing. And this is something that religion just does not like, this kind of talk. But I want to say it again. Until we've realized the presence of God, we have done nothing. I tell people when you go to pray, the purpose of prayer is Him. Some, some people have come to me before and they say, I've been, I've been, going, to, I've been going to be with God and, and, and I just, I do all these things, but I, I don't really have any kind of exchange or satisfaction, you know, with, with the Lord, what's the problem? And I really f- feel like the problem is they forget that he's a person. And we've turned him into a ritual. And we turn him into making an accomplishment or accomplishing something. You know, some men do lean more on their knees than their Christ meaning they put more confidence in their praying than the one they're praying to. Some men can be so focused on prayer, they forget the God they're praying to. But when a man really prays, he forgets prayer, and he sees his God. And that's the essence of what living with Christ is. It's an enjoyment of his person that can't be touched by anything in this world, and until we've realized the presence of God, the word of God doesn't come alive. Until we've realized the presence of God, we're just singing songs. Until we've realized the presence of God, we're just literally speaking in a room all alone, if you know what I mean. It's the realization of the presence of the Lord that changes everything. It can, you can literally wash dishes and be just like the woman who washes his feet with her tears if you realize his presence and you give him that kind of attention. You can literally dig a ditch to the glory of God if your heart be on him. As Brother Lawrence said, you can pick up a straw to the glory of God if you adore him. You know, adoration is a wonderful word. It's my my favorite, probably my favorite word because it is my favorite thing to do. Adoration, I think, can be summed up in three A words. Number one, attention. Number two, affection. And number three, awe. When you merge all three of these things together, that's adoration. And when we take time to just look at the Lord, just turn all our our attention to Him away from everything else, away from the stuff we need Him to do. Some people can't experience God because they're holding on to something they want from Him. It's so much better to forget everything that He can do and just find Him. Does it say, does that mean that we don't pray? Does it mean, no, 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 I'm just saying, let the Supreme. Satisfaction come from the person. I actually just finished the diaries of David Brainerd, the the missionary to the Indians up in New Jersey area. And, uh, he died of tuberculosis at 29 years old, um, but he he writes his very last journal entry. I really enjoy journals and reading journals. Anybody like that kind of thing? You get to see what's going on in a person's inwards as they write their journals out. Well, you really see his spiritual ups and downs as you read his journals. And the very last journal entry, I couldn't wait to get to it because I wanted to see how he ended. And his very last journal entry, very last line is this, "'Oh, that men would love God for himself alone.'" very last words of his life that he penned. And I thought, oh, he arrived at heaven itself. It is a heaven on the earth to, uh, to literally look unto the Lord. A.W. Tozer said it like this. When the eyes of the soul looking out meet the eyes of God looking in, right there, heaven has begun upon the earth. I tell you, if looking, if, 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 if looking at Jesus is not wonderful for you now, it will not be very good for you to see him when he comes. If you don't enjoy looking at Christ now, you won't enjoy seeing him when he returns. Let's just put it like that. The scripture says this in 1 John, what is it, 2.27-ish. He says, abide in him so that when he appears, you will not be ashamed. This shows me something, that the more that I live looking unto Jesus, the more it prepares me for that great coming day. It's almost as if the only way I can have confidence when he splits the sky is if he's splitting the sky of my heart every day. Am I looking unto Jesus every day? Because the essential Christian message is not behave, but behold. And until we've realized the presence of God, we've actually done nothing. The next thing I wanna tell you, and this is something that I wish somebody would've told. How many of you are in college here? Let me see your hands. How many of you just graduated college recently? Anybody? Anybody? Okay. Well, for those of you that are in college and, and younger, this is what I wish somebody would have told me when I was in Bible college. I grew up in the church, obviously, and I knew a lot about God, but I didn't know God. I met God in 1996 in the Brownsville Revival, and everything changed from then on. I never n- never did anything. I just literally went right into prayer and worship and preaching, and that's what I've, I've been doing with, uh, with, with my life since, and I have no regrets, and I, I You will never regret going after Jesus with every fiber of your being. You'll never look back and say, man, I wish I just didn't go after Jesus that hard. It's it's never going to happen. As a matter of fact, the more you give yourself completely over to him and his call, the happier and freer and lighter you will live your life. A a lot of times the heavy yokes that people carry are are the sin that they want to hold on to in their own will, in their own way. You know, the yoke that he's trying to deliver you from is the yoke of the tyranny of self-rule. we have this weird thought in our minds that if we get the things that we want, then we'll really be happy. That's the lie. That's the lie. So when we realize that lie, then we say, okay, then what is it really that makes happy? Jesus. Even though it doesn't make any sense to us in our natural minds when we think, I want this, but he says, "No, no, take this," and you're like, "No, no, no, I want this." He's like, "No, no, no, you want this," and you're like, "Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, I know me," and he's like, "No, no, 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 I know you." The Scripture tells us that He Himself is our Maker. In other words, He made you, which means He knows you better than you know you. You've only known you for however old you are. He's known you before ages past. So he knows you better than you know you, so it's better just to give up what you want and go with what he wants because it's going to fit you better than anything you could have made up. Yes. <laughs> I, I, I genuinely believe that, and I feel like it's a trap that gets lodged in us and even makes its way into Christianity, and we have people making themselves miserable because they're in a tug-of-war with God. It's better just to quit. That's the secret to Christianity. Just give up. It's a lot better this way. So I wish somebody would have told me this when I first got born again. You ready? I want you to say this with me. Say, snuggle. Snuggle. Don't. Struggle. Struggle. (laughs) If somebody would have came to me with three slaps, snuggle, don't struggle. Struggle. It would have saved me years of running on a treadmill of performance and fighting and twisting and trying to get God to love me just a little bit more. Trying to add a little bit more to what Jesus did. Like what Jesus did was good, but let me just make it even better. And this right here is a terrible, terrible treadmill. It's only sweat. You don't get anywhere with it. It's better to snuggle than to struggle. Let us nestle and not wrestle. And what I mean by that, what I mean by that is coming to him to enjoy him and lay upon him. Just lay yourself upon him in enjoyment, trusting him instead of trying to manipulate and force and try to earn and get God to do something for you. Some people go into the closet and they leave the same way they came in because they did everything but adore the Lord. Some people go into the closet, literally, and they leave in the same state of mind, sometimes even worse, because they just sat in their own self-consciousness and never once just snuggled with the Lord. You know, when my daughter was little, she's 16 now, but when she was real little, she lost one of her toys and she was really upset. If you know kids, when they get tired, right, they get, they're, they're almost like animals. She was running around very upset, couldn't find this toy and stuff. And I I was just worshiping the Lord on the couch. And she comes over to me just crying. I can't find my toy. And I said, baby, come here. And I grabbed her and I just put her on my chest. And I just held her there in three minutes. It was as if there was a communication of peace into her being. She got up and didn't even remember the toy she was looking for. And in that moment... I felt like the Lord was saying something to me. I think a lot of times we're looking for God to say something. But a lot of times he just wants to hold us. And sometimes him just holding us communicates far more than something intelligible. Just letting the Lord hold us will communicate more to the soul sometimes than an intelligible speaking. And I feel like if we'll just give time to letting the Lord hold us, we'll find that he'll pass his peace right into us. And it doesn't make any sense. That's why it's called Peace That Passes Understanding because it doesn't make any sense. Because how many of you know that in one moment, in realizing God's presence, in one moment, nothing has changed, but everything's different. Have you had this before? It's like you look at your life and you look at what's in front of you. You're like, this is terrible. And then you realize the Lord's presence and no, it's still terrible, but you're like, I don't care. It just doesn't have... The relevance, the pull, the sway, the power that it used to have. You know, I'm I just going to follow this. Can I just follow this? For, I just feel these, these little waves. I'm going to go with it. I worked for Reinhard Bunke for a, a few years. You guys know Reinhard Bunke? He is a, he's gone on to be with the Lord, but I knew him personally and spent a lot of time with him personally at his house and picking him up from the airport and things like this. And one day I asked him something. I said, when you have to make a decision that's very important, I said, how do you do it? And he says this to me. He says, I pray until I'm neutral. And I thought to myself, what does that even mean? (laughs) And I asked him, can you explain this to me? He says, I begin to pray and commune with the Lord until it doesn't matter either way. Then he says, I realize then I can hear. A lot of times we go in and we want to make God say the thing that we want. And we're waiting for someone to tell us. You know, we seek 50 counsels until some person tells you what you want to hear. When you know exactly what you need to do, which is just go be with the Lord and surrender to whatever it is he says. Because even the right thing at the wrong time is the wrong thing. So it's better just to give everything over. And so he says, I pray myself until I'm neutral. It doesn't matter either way. Then his ears are clear and he can hear. And he makes a decision not based upon what he wants naturally but he makes a decision based upon a leading from the Spirit that doesn't need logic, doesn't need sense. I mean, I I do think God is very logical in some ways, but he's able to transcend logic as well. The scripture tells us that he makes an axe head float that's kind of like, what is that? That, That's kind of illogical. You know, when a sea splits open and people walk on dry land, that's, uh, that's just kind of, that's kind of supra- Logical, don't you think? So he's got these ways about him where we can trust him in that. But I I really felt just to encourage you guys with these things. The essential Christian message is not behave, but behold. If you try to behave without beholding, you'll never get it done and you're just going to get mad at yourself. If you stop beholding the Lord, then you're going to misbehave. But if if you just behold the Lord just make your, just reduce your life to this one thing. And I know many of you are doing this. Many of you have walked with the Lord for many years, and many of you have a a lifestyle of looking unto Jesus. So you're probably more excited about what I'm saying than anybody else, (laughs) because you know it to be true. But just reduce your life down to this. I'm going to just look at the Lord, and I'm giving up myself. When you turn away Turn from, to That means you turn away from the world, but you also turn away from yourself. That's why Jesus says this amazing scripture. He says, whoever loves father, mother, wife, children more than me is not worthy of me. Do you remember he says this? I remember when I was first born again, I read that. I was like, what? Are you kidding me? Love you more than my mom? It just didn't make, it just didn't compute with me. But as I began to just grow in romance with the Lord, when I say romance, I mean like Him remembering me and being patient with me and being kind with me and attentive to me and always bringing things back that are special to just us, just to remind me that He's he's there, just to remind me that He's aware, just to remind me that He cares, (laughs) that He is with me and He's for me and and, and He's given me a righteousness that that is utterly apart from me. It just blows my mind. This is the the romance. So as I begin to grow in this, I began to find out that he is actually a bridegroom. And I saw things like in 329 of John, John the Baptist calls Jesus the bridegroom. Jesus actually calls himself the bridegroom. Because when they say, why do your disciples not fast? He goes, they don't fast when the bridegroom is with them. He calls himself the bridegroom. John the Baptist calls him the bridegroom. Then you also see in the end, the church is called the bride. And she's, oh, come see the wife of the lamb. So we see Jesus is the bridegroom according to the scriptures. It's a wonderful uh, parallel that he has given to us, a great foreshadow. Anybody married in this room, you know that this is a wonderful, wonderful parallel to, uh, to, to your relationship with Christ. But it is as inferior to your relationship with Christ as your shadow is to your person. I love my wife more. She's my best friend in the entire world. I'd rather be with her than anybody. I, I look at her sometimes, and I can't even keep it together. I just start crying. I, I love my wife. I love my heart. But she is a shadow compared to the reality of what I have with the person of Jesus. And that's what it's made for. This wonderful love relationship that we have with our... What is that? Where did that come from? <laughs> this wonderful relationship we have with our spouses... They are, they are just mirrors. I just told, let me just explain to you what I mean by that. I looked at my wife yesterday, actually, and I said, I can look at you, but if I really look at you, my desire intensifies. I said, we're, we're talking and I recognize we're talking, but then if I look into her eyes, I look at her lips and her fingers, talking to listen to her voice as she's speaking, it pulls me towards her. I feel like an attraction and a desire. I'm overwhelmed with her. And same thing with the Lord. You can just look towards the Lord or you can look at the Lord. You can just turn your attention towards the Lord in a way, but then you can give him attention and and move from awareness to, to attentiveness. Uh, And then as you look at him and you think about his features as we were tonight, we're thinking on the Lord and the wonderful things that he has done. As you think of those, it just pulls your soul towards him and it causes you to fall in love with him because that's what him being altogether lovely is. It means he is entirely enticing. Everything about him pulls in everything about you. If you lack desire for Jesus, it's a sight issue. It's, it's a, you're not seeing him rightly. To see him rightly is to love him. And, and, and to recognize him truly is to see he is the desire of the nations. That he, there isn't anything that is remotely comparable to what he is. And so when you don't desire his presence and his words and who he is, it means your eyes are on something else. It means your eyes So as I begin to grow in this romantic relationship with the Lord, I found out that it's like this. Pretend a guy is in a church service and he's single and a girl comes walking in. She's beautiful. And he sees her and he goes, I'm going to talk to that girl tonight. And he walks up to her and he says, I was stricken at the sight of you. I'd give anything to take you to dinner. And she says, okay. They go to dinner. They start spending some time together. Then they start spending all their time together. And they're laying in the grass one Saturday afternoon and looking up at the stars with a picnic. And he turns and looks at her, brushes the hair out of her face, and he says to her, I love you and I want you. Will you marry me? And she looks at him and she says, You know, if you marry me, that means you're saying goodbye to all the other girls. And he says, That's exactly what I want. That's marriage. Forsaking all others, keeping only to you. That's why Jesus says, anyone who loves father or mother, wife or children more than me is not worthy of me. Because he's asking for the exclusivity of of supreme affection. He's asking you to marry him. He's asking you to be his spouse. He's asking you to say goodbye to all other things and find everything now in him. What he's saying when he says, will you marry me? He's saying this, let me be all your satisfaction. Let me be your peace. Let me be your joy. Let me be the one to provide for you, to protect you. Look to me for satisfaction. I'll be these things for you. And don't look and try to find them in other things. As one of my Bible college teachers used to say, lesser lovers. We pursue lesser lovers and we find out that we are not satisfied with lesser lovers. Only Christ satisfies and so the essential Christian message is not behave, but behold. Until we've realized the presence of God, we've done nothing. Snuggle, don't struggle. Praise God. Nestle, don't wrestle. <laughs> In fellowship with him, we, we enjoy the riches of divine life. In enjoyment, we, we, we grow. and We find that we become more like him to the degree we enjoy him. The more you enjoy God, the more you become like God. You'll find that the people that are most, the least like God have the least enjoyment in God, if, if any. And I will say, lastly, I'm going to quote a, a quote from, um, from John Wesley. He said, look only to the power of his spirit and the merits of his son. I want to encourage you to reduce yourself to just looking at Jesus in this way. The power of his spirit and the merits of that he has merited, his, the merits of his son, because this is where freedom is. I found that most people don't even know really what the gospel is. When you start talking to people what the, about the gospel, they say, oh, I don't even know what the gospel is. And if you, if you talk to some people who know what the gospel is, they've moved past the gospel. It's like the gospel, yeah, I got in through the gospel. But as a good friend of mine likes to say, he says, you move on in the Christian life by not moving on. You stay right there in the heart of the gospel. Bunky told me one time driving home, he says, I preach the ABCs and I will not leave the ABCs. And in my day, when, he, when I was with him, I was super young, I was thinking to myself, but what about D through Z? <laughs> you know, And I realized that the only thing that really matters is A, B, and C. And if you can grow in the fundamentals of Christ for me, Christ above all, loving him above all other things. Herein you have the totality of everything. There's a story of an old woman she's dying on her deathbed and the the pastor goes to uh, see her as she's dying and as he gets closer to him, to her, he hears her meditating on the scripture. She's got her eyes closed and she goes, I know him in whom I have believed. I know him in whom I have believed. And he he comes back a couple days later to see her and she's even weaker and she goes i know him in whom i have believed i know him in whom i have believed same scripture finally he comes back weeks later she's about to die and he found that she was so weak and so frail that she didn't have any more of the scripture left the only thing she was saying was one word him him and in that moment she had lost all the bible But in that one word, she had the entire word. Him. Him. Another another story, too, that's very similar to this. is A pastor goes to visit an old lady who is, and this is where I'll close. um, A pastor goes to visit an old lady who's dying on her deathbed. And he says to her, if you are to die, will you go be with Jesus? And she goes, well, if I am to die and I go to heaven... I will lift my hands and I will show him my hands and I will say, Lord, with these hands, I fed my children. I served my my church, my husband. I served the poor. I gave money with these hands. I read the Bible with these hands. I lifted these hands in the sanctuary. And so he will hear me say these things about my hands and he will let me in. And the pastor said, that's really beautiful. He says, but there's only one problem. He says he only has eyes for hands with holes in them. So he says, why don't you take your trust out of your hands and put your trust in the hands with holes? And I find sometimes we, we build up these resumes in our mind and we think because we've been doing so good or we haven't done a certain sin in a certain amount of time or something, we think we're really doing great. Listen to me. There is only one reason why God bestows favor upon us. It is Jesus Christ. There's only one reason why sins remain away from us and we remain clean and are accepted in the eyes of God, and it is Jesus Christ. We hide in him. We hide in his wounds. And right in there we find that those wounds become a mouth that speak on our behalf. And this is the only confidence we have. I encourage you to take your confidence out of even your religious duties. I, I, I encourage you to take your confidence even out of the oh your obedience. Even take your confidence out of that. I'm not saying don't obey. I'm not trying to take obedience from you. I'm trying to say don't put your confidence in that. Put your confidence in Christ. Because even our goods can turn against us and make us proud. But if we put everything upon Christ, then we're free to receive the Spirit. And that's the reason why men grow in God is because the Spirit takes root in their hearts and in their lives. Is that good? Is this okay? I really didn't uh, know where to go. You know, tonight I just had a couple of those, those thoughts. But I hope you remember these things tonight. As a matter of fact, let's just recap them real quick. Say this with me. Say, the essential Christian message is not behave but behold. Say this one with me. Say, um, until we've realized the presence of God, we've done nothing. Let's say this one together too. Snuggle. Don't struggle. Don't struggle. Praise God. And let's the last one. Okay, say say this one with me. Say, look only, look only. To, the to the power of His Spirit and the merits of His Son. Of His Son. Praise God. Will you stand with me? <clears throat> Praise you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Let's just realize his presence here for a minute, see what happens. We praise you, Jesus. There isn't one like you. Not even one, Lord. We worship you, praise you. just for these last few minutes, just forget everybody else around you. Just turn your heart directly to the Lord. Open up your mouth, let let that river flow, let that river flow from the inside, from the inside. Right now and let him love you let his love come down let his love come down let his love come down